Carolina podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in to the Utopia football podcast, fresh off the practice field out at the Methodist Training Center at NRG Stadium. Uh, Good to be with you. This is our Wednesday edition. It's a mailbag. We're going to do a mailbag a little later on in the episode, mailbag at gmail.com if you want to send us a question. I am Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast, mornings on Sports Radio 610, and I'm joined by my co-host and my good friend, the Hall of Famer, and our senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com. John McClain. John, good afternoon. Uh, how you feeling after uh, after day one against the Miami Dolphins on the practice field today? Yeah, both coaches said it was great for each team. It was topped off by Jalen Petrie's pick six in which he took it to the house down the right sideline on the last play, and all of his defensive players chased him off the field, through the gates, almost to the, uh, almost to the opening of the Houston Methodist Sports Center. Yeah, it was a cool ending to it, and the team was fired up. I, you were there for the whole thing, John. I got there about a little over halfway through because I was on, I was on the air. Um, but from what I saw while I was there, and from what I, what I heard about, read about, and talked to people when I got there, um, sounds like C.J. Stroud is the one that I get asked about all the time by people, as do you, I'm sure. Um, so the, the sense I got was overall kind of an up-and-down day of practice for C.J. Stroud. Had some good throws, had some throws he'd like to have back. What did you see out of C.J. Stroud today at the joint practice? Truthfully, Sean, they were on separate fields, and I was watching Tua Tagovailoa throw against the Texans' uh, secondary and go against the defense. I didn't see one pass C.J. Stroud threw since they were on separate fields. But, you know, that sounds about – that's what people were saying afterward. When uh, we were meddling around, he was up, he was down, just like you would expect a rookie quarterback to be. Yeah, he. The, from what I saw, and this is this has been a general theme, I think, too, at practice, John, is that I, I'm going to be real anxious to see, I really, honestly, the regular season, forget about the preseason, but when the regular season get, gets here and he's starting, just how things go when defenses are throwing different disguises and things at him, he... It does seem like he is pressured a lot. The offensive line has not played great throughout the preseason, for sure. It felt like every throw he was making today, there were very few throws that he even got off, like in rhythm, the way the play was designed today from what I've seen. Either he was flushed out of the pocket and he would just tuck the ball and run, or he was flushed out of the pocket, would roll to his right and his left, and then would would throw to his throws would be basically things that it was not how the play was drawn up. You know, it was once you're flushed out of the pocket, it's a scramble drill. I guess the good news there is he's shown a really good ability to throw on the run that maybe we weren't totally sure about that he had, because he never really had to do that very much at Ohio state. And in this offense, even when this offense is working correctly, there's a lot of design bootlegs and things like that. Um, So I guess that's, that's my concern with, with CJ's. It doesn't, he's, He's not getting much of an opportunity to to do things the way they're designed because of the offensive line. And even sometimes when the protection holds up, he's holding on to the ball for quite a bit. And I don't know if that's because guys aren't getting open or because he's not sure what he's seeing yet. But those those are my concerns so far with CJ. My concern is the backup offensive tackles and the interior line right now. The offensive line is the biggest concern on the team. We've heard that. We've heard that story before, almost like every year, which is why they've had four line coaches 
in four years. So he's got to be better against the Dolphins on Saturday than he needs to be better next week against the Saints in joint practices and in the game to make him ready for Baltimore or he's going to get killed. What did you see? So, John, you were watching the uh, – well, just to put a bow on the offensive side of things, I got there about 10-20 probably. So I got there for the second team session of 11-on-11. I want to get your thoughts on what you saw on the other field with the defense in a second, but just to put a bow on the offense. I got there, John, and within the first 15 to 20 plays, Tank Dell had three touchdowns. <laughs> Tank, Dell, Tank Dell might be the story, at least offensively, the story of this training camp so far. I'm going to write a column about uh, watching Tua Tagovailoa and Tyreek Hill and wondering if three years from now, C.J. Stroud and Tank Dell could be collaborating on big plays like that. And uh, Tank, Tyreek, Tank is 5'8", 165. Where Tyreek Hill's short, but he's muscular. He's stocky. He's fast. Yeah. And uh, they love to get him in space. And that's what Bobby Slock is doing for Tank Dell as well. So Tank's the only guy on the team that can go to the house every time they touch it. So they need to make sure he touches it a lot. Yeah, John, I'm gonna put a I'm gonna bookmark that article that we're doing an article with the whole uh Mahomes or I'm sorry, Tua and uh Tyreek Hill comp with Stroud and Tank Dell in week two of training camp. I'm gonna I'm gonna bookmark that article, John. And if if Tank Dell turns out to be a training camp sensation, I'm gonna read that article back to you in two years and say, remember that time? Remember that time you were comparing Tank Dell to Tyreek Hill? And he'll become an all-time. He'll be the Lestar Gene Hall of Fame, John, of training camp training camp overachievers. <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, comparing him. I'm looking ahead three years yeah. and wondering what if, Yeah, considering as they're such similar styles. Tank's got a long way to go to be as productive as Tyreek Hill. Oh, of course, of course. And and just I'm being I'm being somewhat uh, tongue-in-cheek. Facetious, yeah. I like Tank Dell's. I think Tank Dell's going to be a really good player. Facetious. Um, I think Tank Dell's going to be a really good player for this team. It's been exciting I to watch. Yeah, excitement. Yep, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Let's think about that. Like, when was the last time they had a guy like that, John, on this team? Like Tank, because even even the playmakers on this team at the wide receiver position haven't been the same pl- playing style as Tank Dell. And I know, I like, home run hitters. Andre Johnson wasn't, and DeAndre Hopkins wasn't. Yeah. They were great and uh, Hall of Fame worthy. But Tank, boy, he he's the first guy I can remember who consistently has a chance to score touchdowns every time he touches the ball. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Um, so, John, you focused mainly then on the Texans' defensive side of the ball in the 11-on-11, watching Tua and the offense go against the Texans. Uh, what did you see in your time out there today? Uh, Christian Harris made a great interception and had a pick six. He stepped in front of a receiver. He looks really good in training camp. You know, he was he missed his time last year. He was hurt. Came on at the end of last season. They expect big things out of Christian Harris, and coverage is a big part of it. Now, when they got worked out working on the red zone, I thought, especially on fade routes, to a ton of a lower tore him up. Tell you the the neatest thing I saw today. I stuck around to talk to Andre Johnson and Derek Stingley Jr. and John Metchie III were on the field by themselves 30 minutes after practice ended, just Metchie working on get off the line of scrimmage with Stingley covering him and then explaining to him 
why he did what he did. And D'Amico was standing there talking to Andre Johnson. He saw it. You know coaches love that. It was just a sight to behold. Yeah, they've been doing a little. The Mechie and uh, Mechie and Stingley have been have been uh, uh, kind of a, I don't want to say attached to the hip. But they've been doing a lot of that stuff. You're right. It's it is it's really cool to see. I think it's I think it's indicative of the type of players that they're clearly trying to bring in. John, you know, like they're clearly targeting football junkie types that are just you know into putting the extra work in. I know a lot of teams pay lip service to that. I do feel like there's something about these guys that Casario for the last two years and then D'Amico putting his touches on it this year it does seem like they've got guys like anybody other than christian harris stand out for you on the defensive side of the ball john or anything you saw today that stood out steven matt nelson made a couple of good plays going up against tyreek hill i was hoping hill would line up to the stingley side and they could go at it but he didn't they were on opposite sides all right so the uh, texans have one more padded practice uh on thursday and then saturday they play three o'clock kickoff john what are you what are you hoping to see? Like, what are your must-sees? Like, two or three things you must see uh, on Saturday, whether it's a performance level from somebody or playing time or whatever the case may be. We must see the starters playing more, especially Laramie Tunsil and Shaq Mason. They have got to improve up front to give C.J. Stroud time to throw. That's where I want to see. Protection for Stroud, where he has a minute to throw, and make decisions, not having to run for his life every time he was throwing, which not every time, but almost every time in that first game victory over New England. Want to see if they stop the run for the second game in a row. Got a column up on uh, sportsradio610.com about that and about how good the run defense was under the circumstances compared to how bad it's been the last four years. So I want to see that. And I want to see if Stingley – gets a chance to cover Hill, how he covers him, because that's why they got Derek Stingley Jr. Third overall, you're supposed to be able to cover the opponent's best receiver all over the field in man coverage. Yeah, that's the the big one for me is that last one. Like I'm I'm I'll always be excited to see CJ Stroud and, and see him play. I mean he's the future of the team. But as far as the this particular opponent this weekend, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle are the two wide receivers, the two top wide receivers for the Miami Dolphins. I, I hope we get more than just a couple series out of both the Dolphins offense and the <clears throat> Texans defense. Cause I, however they end up matching up, but Nelson and Stingley against those two wide receivers, that's, that's my marquee matchup. You know, if, they, if I were putting a WrestleMania card together with all the matches and everything, my main event would be those two corners against those two wide receivers this week. I'll be surprised if Waddle plays, he got hurt and they're holding him out of these practices. So I guess they're not going to play him in the game, even though yeah. he's from Hill and went to Episcopal High School. Yep. That would be great testing for uh, the defensive back, specifically Stingley. And you know it kills Waddle not to be able to participate. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, so, yeah, that would be that would be one of mine. And, John, I'm anxious to see Will Anderson this weekend, too. Um, you know, Teron Armstead, the left tackle for the Dolphins, is a he's a good player. I don't think he's not Laramie Tunsil. Laramie's the best pass protector at left tackle in all of football. Teron Armstead is that level of tackle that's he's a good tackle. He got paid last year. Um, Will Anderson not beating Laramie Tunsil in practice, it, to me, is not a huge deal at this stage of his career. And even if in this game against the Dolphins, he, you know, he doesn't get a sack or anything like that, I'm not going to freak out. But Teron Armstead is the level of tackle. If we expect Will Anderson to be what we think he can be as a rookie, 
that's a level attacker you need to win your fair share against. There's no crime as a rookie in losing to the best pass-protecting left tackle in football in, in practice, losing against him. But you got to get yours against the other, you know, the, the, the other 80% of the tackles that are below that cut, you know, 80 to 85%, you got to win some reps there. Great points, and I don't know how much he'll play, of course. But all that te- all that testing is great when he's going against guys like Tunsil in practice and Armstead, and uh, uh, he needs to take the next step, get more playing time. All right, you ready for some mailbag questions, John? Always. We'll do some mailbag again. The practice, next practice is Thursday, joint practice against the Dolphins, game on Saturday, 3 o'clock kick, noon, kick, uh, noon pregame. Texans countdown with me and Seth Payne and then um, Clint Sterner and I have post game for you. That's all on sports radio 610. So be sure to be tuned into that. If you're driving around town out and about, if you're not watching the game, be sure to tune in and get it on sports radio 610. Then we got saints week next week. And, uh, and then uh, the regular season will be here before we know it. If you want to email the show, H O U mailbag at gmail.com. That's H O U mailbag at gmail.com. We start with Marcus and Katie, uh, and he says, John, the other teams who drafted quarterbacks high in the draft, Carolina, Bryce Young, the Colts, Anthony Richardson, they've named them as their starter for week one. When does D'Amico join them? Why is he waiting? Who gives a damn what other teams have been? Uh, Marcus and Katie gives a damn, Marcus, John. it's ridiculous. He is the starter. Why do they have to name him? Is that going to make you feel better if they name him? No, he's the starter. He's been the starter. And he's going to have to play himself out of that job. So I think D'Amico or, or Casario, somebody said they don't expect just a big announcement. He's our starter. Casario said that on our show on Unpainted yeah, Pendergast. So Nick said that. You yeah. know, it's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's not going to be a big announcement. It's going to happen organically. He literally, John, when he said that to me and Seth that morning, the previous practice, uh, CJ and Davis were splitting reps evenly. Literally that practice, the day that he said that to us, he said it to us at 7.30. They were practicing at 9 o'clock, and that was the first day where CJ basically got all the reps with the ones. So it happened organically sometime between Payne and Pendergast and that practice that day. Um, so, But you know fans, John, they want to hear the team say it. I don't begrudge Marcus. I agree with you that it's not a big deal. CJ, barring injury, CJ Stroud is going to be the starter in week one at Baltimore, and I can't wait to see how that goes. Um, but you know how fans are, John, especially as kind of, you know, as much PTSD as we have over quarterbacks here over the last few years. That's all. All right. Next one, John. Here we go. Dave Howard, frequent listener to the uh, podcast, frequent emailer to the podcast. Um, I've seen people comment on the fate of Davis Mills. If he is, as expected, the backup QB this season, some think he might be traded before the season or likely midseason to a team that has an injury. He's in the third year of a four-year rookie contract. He maxes out at $1.3 million next season. I say keep him unless someone makes an offer that can't be refused. What say you, John? Dave, I don't see Case Keenum being an emergency quarterback very long at number three at this stage of his career. I know that's not why he was signed in free agency. He's a, you know, he's a good guy. He's not going to complain about it. He's like having an extra coach. But would he have come here if he's going to be the emergency quarterback all season? And I guarantee you he had other offers. So I think when the time comes, if Stroud does well enough to keep the job, and there's a chance they may have to set him and give him a different a different look, let him look from a different vantage point, same way Davis Mills did his rookie year, and he came back and he was a different quarterback. 
but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if before that deadline, when a playoff team loses a quarterback and they and they looking around for a veteran, he had some really good games his rookie year, had maybe one last year, but I could see them trading him for a conditional pick, and it just depends on how desperate the team is and what that team thinks about him. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to trade him just to trade him. I mean, I don't know what conversations they had with Case, but I, like you said, John, Case knows the deal. He's been around the league a while. I'm going to tell you this right now. If C.J. Stroud starts the season in week one and there is some point during the season where they need to yank him so he can sit and watch because it's not clicking for him, people are going to freak the hell out. They're going to freak out because, John, think of it. I mean, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like what of the good quarterbacks now – have any of them ever had to be pulled because the game was just too fast for them early on in their career? Like I'm, I'm literally asking. Like I don't, I, like I remember Josh I Allen. Have a clue. I Josh have to Allen. About it Josh Allen. Like about his career. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm not expecting you to. I'm just, I, I didn't know if you could think of one off the top of your head. Is all. Uh, yeah. Like Josh Allen struggled as a rookie. That would be one where I go. Okay, well, rookies Josh. struggle, and they were, yeah. and they're bad. They're terrible as rookies. People in Buffalo call him a bust. Wanted to get rid of him. People in the Indy called Peyton Manning a bust when he threw 28 interceptions. And Stroud is not going to do like, say, Andrew Luck or Dak Prescott or Russell Wilson. Prescott and Wilson went in with really talented teams, yeah. played well as rookies, and uh, it's, it's just not going to happen here because it's not a very good team. All right. Wale in Virginia, John, says, my observation from the first preseason game Seems like a couple of the quarterbacks threw the ball outside while receivers are expecting the ball inside. I wonder if y'all noticed the same thing, and is it something we could, that would get resolved as they develop chemistry over time? I'm one of those who think it's better for rookie quarterbacks that they should sit before starting. Anyway, I'm very optimistic and bullish on Stroud's development. Thanks, y'all. John, what did you notice from that first preseason game um, and at camp so far, just in terms of C.J. Stroud and the chemistry he's building with his wide receivers? He's worked hard at it on and off the field. He talks to the wide receivers constantly. I like the way he talks to the defensive players about coverage, yeah. talks to the defensive coaches. But he knows that he is dependent on the wide receivers, not to mention the tight ends too. But uh, he's worked really hard to build a rapport with them. All right, next one, John. Chris in the ATL, frequent emailer and listener to the podcast. He always has good analogies to go with his questions. Do you – do you know who we should blame regarding the overreactions from many on C.J. Stroud's NFL debut? And I guess what he's talking about is people saying, you know, that he was he struggled, even though he played two series. Uh, he says we should blame Jeff Bezos. With Amazon, everybody now wants instant gratification right away. And I believe it's translating into our sports teams and players. My question, do you think it's fair that people want C.J. Stroud to be an Amazon Prime QB, delivering right away on the expectations, or – do you have a reasonable time frame that he has to perform as a franchise QB? And if so, what is that? I, what is your, we haven't really talked about that, John, but like, forget about week one. Like, what is your, like, what is, what is a successful arc for CJ Stroud look like for you in his rookie year? Be durable, you know, show improvement over the course of the year. He's going to have bad games. I mean, he bounces back from those bad games. He's going to have a low rating and uh, he might get pulled at some point. And, uh, but what they want to see they know he has the ability. They want to see him improve mentally and make good decisions and, of course, know where to go with the ball and be able to adjust on the fly. Chris also wants to know what's the most random thing that you've ordered on Amazon, John. Do you, do you order stuff on Amazon? I do. And uh, 
boy, my wife's asked me to order stuff for her, like certain kind of jelly bean. Yeah. Like jelly bellies, like those kind of jelly beans. Yeah, like, I can't remember, but did I they have them. Jelly beans for her. They had them. You know, I'm telling you something else about jelly beans. I hate the black ones. Yeah. And I didn't notice till I started ordering. You can get all black, and I wonder what kind of person could eat all blacks. And then I found out John Lopez, John P. Lopez, loves black, black jelly, jelly beans. beans. Yeah. Makes me sick. Does he like Jägermeister too? Did you ask him that? Because no. that's if you you've had Jäger, right, John? Yep. Yeah, it's I mean it's basically Jack. It's it's a black jelly bean shot more or less. I mean that's yeah, I hate it. Yeah, I don't like it either. I don't like it either. You can also get crunch berries with just the berries, John, with no Captain Crunch in it. Did you know that? <laughs> nope. I didn't know anything about candy on Amazon except jelly beans. Okay, jelly beans. Yeah. My yeah, my, my weirdest thing that I ordered off of there was a, uh, a Halloween costume. I ordered my entire Halloween costume for last year. I forget what the name of the character was, but I was part of a skit at work for the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And I was the, I, it was that one dance sequence that they did. I was the guy with the scraggly gray hair, like the, the crypt keeper guy. Uh, I forget his name. I, I've never seen the movie. I only watched the scene on YouTube. But I've never seen the movie either. You haven't? That shocks me, John, because that's like a cult yep. classic that they play at midnight at all the old theaters. Yep. I've never been. Yeah. That's, I mean, I've, I haven't seen it you know either. So. About it. I've just never yeah. seen it. Yeah. Are you a fan of midnight showings at movie theaters? I, even when I was young and I'd stay up all night, I still didn't go to movies at midnight. Yeah. I like doing it at River Oaks Theater. I don't know when that's reopening. It's supposed to reopen River Oaks Theater. It's, it's going to reopen next year. It's going to be spectacular. Oh. I can't wait because we go to a lot of movies there. Yeah. It's just not Rocky Horror. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. It's Okay. So you, okay, you're dialed in on this. So you got a time frame for it and everything, huh? Yeah. Okay. I walk by it every day on my walks and I look up and I'm like, it's still... Still not close yet. I love that place. That place is cool. It's you go to like tremendous on the inside. It's going to be different. It's going to be more comfortable. Okay. It's going to have a lot more selections, and the crowds are going to be prolific. Yeah. Are they going to do reserve seating? Because that's the new thing. You got to have no, reserve seating. I don't know. I wish they did. I'd love yeah. to have reserve seats. Yeah. Yeah. All right, John. A couple more. Um, let's mix in an Astros one. Henry T says, if the playoffs started next week, what's the Astros strategy with the pitching staff? It'd be Verlander, Fromber, and pray for J.P. France, who is their best pitcher. Yeah, I, I think Christian Javier should be in the bullpen, if if anything, because he has been a huge disappointment. Yeah, he was a disappointment again last night. I, I said this to Seth today, John. I'm curious your thoughts on it. I, I don't know who, you know, if they go, let's pretend they advance to a, you know, they have to play a wild card round. It's probably all hands on deck for those two out of three games, whatever it is, just so you get to the next round. Hopefully they reach a point in the playoffs, you know, divisional series and certainly ALCS and World Series where you're, you're running more conventionally. You got four starters and everybody else is in the bullpen. Last season, they we knew who the four starters were. It was Verlander, Fromber, Javier and Lance McCullers. And then Luis Garcia and um, and Jose Urquidy were the next two guys and they were in the bullpen and. They never, other than the 18-inning game against Seattle, they never had to use those guys because their starters all went deep into games. The bullpen was maybe the best bullpen of any team I've ever rooted for. Everybody was good in the bullpen. They never used Ryan Stanek in the postseason, hardly because they didn't have to. 
this year, I think, John, I mean, if this is who they are right now, if, if this is who they are and it's good enough to get to the postseason, those extra two starters, whoever they are, are going to get used a whole hell of a lot more than Urquidy and Garcia did last year because the trust level for me is so low on all these leverage relievers right now. Um, and, I, and, and I think, and especially if those two guys that they do that with are JP France and Hunter Brown, two guys that are used to doing that from their minor league stints, I'm with you. I think Javier is worse than both those guys, but I could see Dusty starting Javier because he's got postseason experience, that kind of thing. I, I'm with you, John. I'm, I'm just telling you what I think Dusty's going to do. John's shaking his head for those just listening. I think those extra starters, and even if one of them is Javier, I think they're going to get used a whole hell of a lot more this year for, for all those reasons. That could happen. Dusty sticks with those veterans like yeah. he sticks with Maldonado. Maldonado's 37 years old on Wednesday when we record this. It'll be his last year. He's oh. maybe the worst catcher in baseball, but Dusty's going to keep doing it. And uh, and I hope, just because of Javier's experience, unless he turns it around in his last few starts and is better than he's been all season, even when he won seven games, he was shaky. Yep. I would not start him in the playoffs. France is 5-0. and with an ERA in the ones in his last five starts. And Javier has been terrible. Game get out of the fifth inning. Had won a game, has won one game, the last start before this one, when he went five innings. It had been two months and three days. Well, even when, John, even when he's not giving up hits and runs, he's just, his pitch count's getting too high. He he goes deep into counts. He gets behind hitters. Like, he, he, you know. The average number of pitches he throws to each hitter, I got to imagine, is one of the highest in baseball because that dude, for whatever reason, even in games where you look up and he's in the fifth inning, he's only given up a run. He's at like ninety-five pitches. Like he's yeah. he he's he's not he he. You yes, like he's can't be trusted right now. Can't be trusted. A lot of full counts, a lot of foul balls. Yeah, a lot of foul ball. And and then when he gives up, when he gets the full counts and three ball counts on guys, and it's he's at eight pitches and he gives up a single. It's like all right, well that. <laughs> I'm okay with eight pitches if you get the guy out, but putting a lot of guys on base. I Can you um, imagine if they had started Chaz McCormick in center field and Yiner Diaz at catcher all season? Both of them have 16 home runs. Yeah, they'd be in the 20s in home runs. Yeah, if they had, had been kept those positions all season. If Yiner, if Yiner had enough at bats to qualify. He would have the second best OPS of any catcher in baseball right now. Wow. He's already got one less home run than Adley Rutschman, who is Put him the, on the bench. The next big thing. Yeah, it's yeah, Dusty, man. All right. Well, another story for another time. Um, John, before we get out, do you want to tell the people what uh the Houstonian has going on to try to benefit the folks over in Hawaii who are suffering from all the wildfires over there? Yes. The Houstonian, they did this after Harvey for local first responders, and I went over there. They set up these monster barbecue pits outside, and they want you to just pull in, have $10 cash, you get a huge barbecue meal to go, and um, and it's going to go to an organization. It's on their website. I can't remember what it was, World, World Kitchen something. And, um, and they're going to match every dollar, and it goes to first responders, in Hawaii, Maui, and uh, I think there's 500 I read over there trying to help. A great thing for Steve Fronterhouse and his staff, and the food, of course, will be great. It's from 10.30 to 1.30 on Friday. Just go through with your $10, get a great meal, and know 
that that's going for a great cause. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. Uh, the Steve Renner house and the, um, and the, uh, the folks at the Houstonian are the best. So, um, so yeah, get, get on over there on Friday, uh, and, uh, Get a great barbecue lunch, and it all goes to a great cause, and they're matching it. Mm. Yeah, sounds good, doesn't it, John? A lot of protein. Hungry now. That's okay. And protein on soda weight loss, all good, John. <laughs> we like that. We like that. Uh, John, I enjoyed it, and uh, I'll see you out at uh, practice tomorrow, and I'll see you out at the game at NRG Stadium on Saturday. I look forward to it as always. Thank you very much, John. All right, good stuff. That's John McClain, the legend, the Hall of Famer, and he joins me each and every episode. This is uh, the Utopia Football Podcast starring me and John McClain. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Clicking that subscribe button is huge for us. Download that podcast. Uh, you click that subscribe button, you don't have to worry about a damn thing. You just get it. gets right, gets sent right to your phone or your iPad or wherever it is you listen to your podcast we appreciate that our guy james jackson back in the saddle again our producer back from vacation so we appreciate james and all he does to get this podcast out to to all of you uh each episode each and every week two episodes a week and when the regular season starts we will go to three episodes a week so thank you again for tuning in this has been the utopia football podcast for john mcclain i'm sean pendergast we are out of time and we will see you next week enjoy the game this weekend everybody